What's up, guys? Episode 39 and week 14 of the NFL season. It's playoff time. We made it. We're here. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably had some great success this season, and we want to hear about it, so let us know on Instagram. But on the show today, we got the good and the bad, of course. League winners and losers will quickly bounce through those guys. You know who's gotten you this far, and you know who didn't get you this far, but we'll break into those guys. And of course, our weekly matchup, Rapid Fire. As always, follow us on Instagram, Twitter to keep the conversation rolling, and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Let's roll. This is Darren Waller, and you're listening to the Tutty Talk Podcast. Streaming from beautiful Portland, Oregon, for all things fantasy football. This is the Tutty Talk Podcast. Barkley with a burst. Barkley down the sideline. Saquon Barkley. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankles. He did what? It's a C-Mac attack. I'm really not into dreams anymore. Okay, I'm in the nightmare. A lot of people ain't going to be able to take that over and 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 over again. You like that? You like that? Here are your hosts, Bryce Wells. I'm going to I'm going to say it. I'm going to put you on blast. Kevin Nelson. It's a damn shame because Pete Carroll is wasting Russell Wilson and there's nothing we can do about it. And Chase Daskalos. No. Lamar Jackson is going to be a top five quarterback. What is up? Episode 39 and week 14 is here. The playoffs are here and we're trying to win some money. I'll welcome in on the show, Teddy Talk Podcast, Kevin, Bryce and Chase for this edition of the show. Bryce, we check in with you in Portland. What's up, dude? Oh, dude, I am fucking great. Uh, It's my Friday today. I got a couple days off coming up. We're taking a little trip. We're going to be incredibly safe, of course, but really excited. I'm really excited. It's playoff time. Let's get it going. Chase, what it do, baby? Where are we? Where are we going? Where are we going, Bryce? Oh, we're, we're going, going to Vegas, baby. Sin City, baby. We got to keep it yes. clean, though. We're gonna we're gonna wear a mask. We're gonna have a little fun. We're gonna win some money while we're out there. But yes, we're going to Vegas. Headed to Vegas on Friday. Uh, come back on Sunday. Going to watch some of the games there. Maybe be able to throw some money down on a Vegas sports book. Will be fun instead of having to use the freaking shit Oregon scoreboard <laughs> app. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, last night got super lucky. Oh yeah, such a blast. Uh, and the true serum, Lee. I started, I think, zero and five, and I've now I finished six and one, something like that to to end to end the season here so I, I needed to win this week to get into the playoffs i was down 24 going into last night and i had amari cooper and jk dobbins if you watch the game amari cooper scored a touchdown with like two minutes 30 set three minutes left something like that four minutes i'm like okay holy shit here we go uh no jk dobbins on the ravens next drive i mean Gus Edwards rips a 30-yard run into the red zone. We get a little marking in there, and then, oh, here we go. On the two-yard line out, trots J.K. Dobbins, who runs in a two- or three-yarder for a touchdown, giving me the win. I get two touchdowns in the last four minutes to make the playoffs in that league. I have the second most points scored. The guy who has the first, the most points scored in the league doesn't make the playoffs. Kind of ridiculous, but... I, we were all sitting down on the couch. Dobbins runs it in. We all jump up together because my team was... <laughs> I got screwed. I had Saquon, uh, and just kind of things kind of went the wrong way. I made a trade for Patrick Mahomes to stack him with Tyreek Hill. Anyways, last night was a blast. Kind of start the week off right. It was awesome. What a what a way it to was. make the playoffs on literally one of the last plays of week thirteen. Our neighbors uh, hated us last night too. That was, that was for sure. <laughs> I mean, they hate us all the time. We're always yelling, <laughs> yeah. screaming about football. So, um, a lot of us. Or in the playoffs. If you're listening to this show, we hope that you, you know, took a lot of the advice that we gave early on in the season and, and talking dynasty, you know, in the offseason and stuff like that. From what we've seen in our teams that we follow our own advice, you know, we're not just blowing smoke just to just to talk about fantasy football, followed our own advice. And I think we saw collectively some really successful teams uh, all across the board between the three of us and all of our leagues 
um, outside of maybe my dynasty team in Buffalo <laughs> League. But other than that, I think the boys did really good. Uh, and this podcast has a lot to show for uh, heading into the postseason and hopefully after that as well. So uh, to pat ourselves on the back, I'll be the one to say it and I'll be the one to do it. Um, great job, guys. Really, really good stuff this year. So on to quarterbacks for the good and the bad. It was Josh Allen. He's been hot lately. He's all the way up to quarterback three on the season. Heading into the playoffs, 32 of 40 for 375 yards, four touchdowns, six carries for 11 yards. He did have a fumble that he lost against the Niners on Monday afternoon, nightish. ish Oh, that was the Monday night game. And with Josh Allen, he had kind of that middle stretch of the season where he was putting up 12, 16, 17 points. Not the, the volume that you were expecting uh, as far as fantasy scoring from him. They're in that middle stretch of, of this season. He played... Tennessee, Kansas City, the Jets, New England, all those games, no more than 16.3 points. And against New England, 12.3. Since the Seattle game where he scored 36, it's been really pretty much smooth sailing. Uh, 27.2, a 15.4 after the bye against the Chargers, and then 30 again. He gets Pittsburgh next. But Josh Allen, quarterback three, we hated him in the preseason. This is the quarterback that we missed on. Everybody else, I'd say we, we had a pretty good gauge on their season. But he's been phenomenal with Diggs all year long. Yeah, and I think everybody whiffed on both him and Diggs, right? Because when we were going into the offseason, Diggs was going super late. And a lot of people are pretty hesitant about drafting him because of Josh Allen. And he ended up being the reason why Josh Allen is as talented as he is. I'm not going to say – I should take that back. Talented, maybe not so much. But when you have a, a significant piece in the offense to help you out, that's going to that's gonna be great. And, and to see a developmental player like Josh Allen – and what Sean McDermott's done for that team, it's incredible. You know, it's a guy you want to root for right right now. It just feels it feels weird to to root for the Bills, of course. Uh, but to see him do so well, it's impressive. And and we've had a lot of conversations about quarterbacks like Josh Allen, who struggle to be accurate, are more developmental guys, really good runners. And Stefan Diggs has kind of shown that if you attach an elite receiver to a guy who may be developmental, that you can win games. And it's not like their defense has played that great this year. We were expecting them that defense to be a lot better, and, and it's definitely been downgraded. Um, but you wonder whether or not guys like Lamar Jackson, who's struggled with accuracy, uh, Baker Mayfield struggled a, a bit too. If a, an alpha receiver comes in, could it change – the entire team and and the quarterback and maybe they can find a little more success. I think I think that's definitely possible. And with the amount of receivers in free agency next year, I think we're definitely going to to see a lot more quarterbacks improve on accuracy in twenty twenty one. I think the fun thing to talk about here, let's have a little fun with this, is talking about Josh Allen and MVP odds. And I think way back in the summer, uh kind of around around draft time, after the draft uh, and especially after the Bills got Stephon Diggs, I think we threw out the idea of a really good long shot upside future bet was Josh Allen winning MVP. Uh, kind of curious on, I'm going to throw some numbers around at you guys. Kind of curious on what your thoughts are right now, according to Vegas Insider, Josh Allen has the third best odds to win MVP. I'm curious if you guys want to throw out two names before him who you think have better odds. Um. Well, I think Patrick Mahomes is in that conversation pretty easily. And I, I would say Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Rodgers. Yep. So Patrick Mahomes minus 500, Aaron Rodgers plus 400, Josh Allen plus 1,700. So still a little bit of a long shot there. It looks like he opened. Um, one second here, Josh Allen. He opened at plus 5,000 prior to week one. Uh, so you're at plus 1,700 there. That's still like a pretty good bet, but with Patrick Mahomes at minus 500, it looks like Vegas knows pretty much that that award is going to Patrick Mahomes there. One really long shot that I like, uh, Dalvin cook plus 20,000. If you were to throw a dollar or two at one of these right now, that's the one that I would honestly go. I know running backs don't win MVP awards, but the Vikings started out 0-5, 1-5. They completely turned it around. It's on the back of Dalvin Cook. Yes, Justin Jefferson's awesome. Adam Thielen, Kirk Cousins have been good. But their schedule coming up, 
they've got Tampa Bay this week, which is one of my favorite games. And if they say they win out, right, make playoffs, and like you, who knows? And Dalvin Cook is just the, on the back of Dalvin Cook. I think that is like a viable MVP vote. But again, I think it's going to Patrick Mahomes. But we're talking about Josh Allen. Josh Allen at three there. I feel like that that fits him. Yeah. And I mean, Russell has played himself out of the conversation for MVP. It's something would have to happen, I think, to Mahomes to really open this thing up here at the end of the year uh, with the way he and that team are playing uh, pretty much untouchable in the MVP odds race. But uh, nobody, nobody thought Josh Allen was going to be QB three, uh, let alone in fantasy, but in an MVP race, too. Um, he's been phenomenal. So and for where you could get him, you know, that QB 10 to QB 15 range in some leagues. Looking pretty good there. Here's a guy that has played well all season. Just had his worst game as a rookie. Justin Herbert is our bad quarterback of the week. 26 of 53 for 209 yards and two picks. Did not have a touchdown. New England, this is Bill Belichick's bread and butter. Bad team, rookie quarterback. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. If you go back and look at the history of Bill Belichick against rookie quarterbacks on teams, most teams with rookie quarterbacks are meh dominant dominant defensively so it's a super confusing defense and herbert wasn't exposed to a lot of that in college at university of oregon we all know that rice knows it better than any of us but we just saw justin herbert get exposed and this team get exposed horrible on special teams a lot of drops in this game austin eckler didn't have as much of an impact as he had in his first week back and new england just came out swinging and dominated this game from start to finish Justin Herbert is quarterback eight on the season. Do not be alarmed by this game. (laughs) Start Justin Herbert after this. Looking at his schedule coming up, he's got Atlanta, Las Vegas, and Denver. Ding dong. I like Eckler, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry. I like everybody in those matchups uh, approaching, heading into the playoffs. So if you've got Justin Herbert and you see this, I mean, glad he didn't get hurt because there's a couple plays it feels like every week where he just gets his shit rocked. But the kids all right, and that schedule coming up is just juicy. Yeah, Kevin, you nailed it. The schedule for Herbert's phenomenal, unlike Josh Allen, who has to play Pittsburgh, Denver, then New England. But when we're talking about fantasy, like this is this is the Justin Herbert floor. And and this is a floor for a rookie quarterback going up against Bill Belichick. Kevin, you nailed that. Um the the Patriots have been phenomenal against rookie quarterbacks. Uh this is like you said, this isn't something you should be worried about. This game is just as much, I think, on Herbert as it is Anthony Lynn. I think I know we've um, bashed Anthony Lynn quite a bit this year, um, but like I said, this is his floor. There's nothing to worry about. the The positive thing to to, to kind of get out of this when we're talking about fantasy, he threw 53 times, 53 times. If he's throwing 40 to 50 times a game, I mean, you've got a a, a diamond in the rough of a quarterback in dynasty. So this is. I mean, this is still good news. It's, it, this is the worst game we've seen from Justin Herbert. We knew it was going to come eventually. I don't think we could have expected him to continuously dominate uh, teams um, from a fantasy perspective. But, yeah, Herbert's fine. You're going to be happy about playing him in the next three weeks, that's for sure. Well, and when you look at two, I saw an interesting stat that that this Special teams was the worst performance statistically by the LA Chargers, I think, ever. Uh, it, it was like Gunner Olszewski, whatever his name is, Bath Pro Shops Gunner, returned to punt for a touchdown, also returned to punt to the 20 yard line. They had missed field goals, they had a field goal blocked return for a touchdown. Like it was completely disastrous. So I am going to take a lot of the blame actually off of Justin Herbert and kind of throw it everywhere else. Special teams, Anthony Lynn, you name it. Like this game was, it was 45 to zero. Like, holy shit, poor guy. The rookie quarterback going against Bill Belichick. Sure, he can shoulder some of the blame, but like such a weird game, completely like unexpected in my opinion. So yeah, like just fucking throw this one out the window and move forward. Yeah, I think it was uh, the Chargers had personnel issues on on punts all afternoon on the four punts that they had in the game they had 10 players on the field 12 players on the field 13 players on the field and 10 players on the field i mean that (laughs) how do you not fire a guy when that stuff's happening four times in a row so not a good game for herbert not a good game for the chargers but 
hey, a, a lot of good in what you got from a waiver wire pickup in Justin Herbert this year. So be confident in playing him uh, the rest of the way. The good running back, maybe going to talk about him later. There's a league winner, David Montgomery, 17 carries, 72 yards, two touchdowns. And the surprising part that's really been at, not exposed, but unlocked in his game is the receptions. He's had a, a bunch of them this, this year. He had four receptions for 39 yards. Blame that on Tariq Cohen being out, maybe. But David Montgomery, a guy that we hated and, and still kind of do, I mean, Long-term dynasty, I'm not really trading for David Montgomery, but his last two games, 27.1 fantasy points and 25.3. You look at the receptions, he has at least two receptions in every game but week one. And he has one, two, three, four, five, with four or more. That is exactly what you're looking for in a PPR running back. And David Montgomery, of all the running backs in the NFL, does this right place right time he's got houston minnesota and jacksonville coming up there is no running back with a easier schedule approaching uh, for the fantasy playoffs if you play into week 17 he gets green bay who has been maybe the worst team against the run this season especially against good running backs like dalvin cook so david montgomery guys thoughts uh, what in the hell got into him i don't know but the Tariq cohen not being there uh, has played a big factor i think since the bye in week 11 well, God damn it, Kevin. You took everything I wanted to say. I mean, shit, you, you nailed the schedule. You nailed T- Tariq Cohen. You nailed the reception game. I, I don't know what else to say. This guy is truly the league winner of 2020. I never thought I would say David Montgomery is a league winner running back in fantasy football. Not ever did I think that this was going to happen. The schedule, like you said, is absolutely ridiculous. He's going to do just fine in the next three games his ceiling isn't quite amazing but I mean last last week against Detroit he's put up 25 plus points and that's that's a pretty good ceiling if you ask me for a guy that not many were expecting to pop the way he has in the in the later stretch of the season he's RB 11 on the year and I think I got to plant my flag that like like I said earlier, he he's the league winner. Um, I would have probably guessed that Antonio Gibson would have been the guy to to pick for that, just because his ceiling is is so much higher. I think, in my opinion, he's athletically more talented. Um, but I think you know maybe now uh, or or after the season's over, try to move off David Montgomery in dynasty. I know it looks great right now. That's fine. But the guy isn't incredibly special uh, from a profile perspective. Like. This is a guy you you want to cash out on. You know, you you could get a first for him at this point. I think someone out there would be convinced to get him for a first. Maybe you were trying to do that a couple of weeks ago going into playoffs. I'm almost sure a playoff team would buy him for a first, no doubt. But I think this is a great guy to move off of. But at this moment, you know, if you're in the playoffs, you got to ride it out because this is this guy's going to put up RB two at the very worst numbers uh, for your fantasy team. I'm not so quick to anoint him like this this league winner. Outside of these last two weeks where he got Detroit and Green Bay, which statistically is probably two of the easiest matchups for for running backs against opposing defenses, he has one top 10 week outside of these these two matchups. So he scored 27.1 PPR points against Detroit. He was the RB1 last week. Awesome. Uh, week 12 against Green Bay, 25.3 fantasy points rb6 on the week awesome other than that uh, rb50 21 21 14 13 37 41 38 and 8 so he's been like i would say all over the place but it's not even all over the place because other than really these two weeks he actually really hasn't done shit and i think yeah like it's like dynasty missed the playoffs i would be selling david montgomery i do think seasonal Sure, you can ride him out. The schedule going forward, Houston, Minnesota, Jacksonville, that's totally fine. He's dominating in these easy matchups, and those are pretty easy matchups. But if you're in a dynasty league and you have David Montgomery and you didn't make the playoffs, I don't know why you wouldn't be selling him. To me, he's just a guy. There's nothing special about David Montgomery. The reception game is completely inflated by the absence of Tariq Cohen and not having another running back there. Their second running back is Ryan Nall or Cordero Patterson for shit. Like 
Tariq Cohen tore his ACL in week three. Prior to that, uh, in week one and two, David Montgomery's targets were three, three, and three. Out goes Tariq Cohen. Six, eight, five, 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 three, six, four. Like it's literally, those are just what was going to Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen will be back. Yes, he tore his ACL, but I expect them to probably add another piece, especially when Cordero Patterson is like your second running back. And we know that in the league, everyone has Josh Jacobs is like an ultimate bell cow. Sure, he's always hurt, but like look how much fucking Devontae Booker and Jalen Richard play. Like, there's really not a true bell cow in the NFL other than say Chris, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook would be kind of like the top three Derrick Henry. And then outside of that, it's is David Montgomery one of those guys? Fuck no, are you kidding me? He's a third round pick. There's nothing special about him. I would move, keep keep him in seasonal, write him out, sure. But dynasty, I I totally agree by some moving off the guy. I would I would rather have a guy like James Robinson, even with the risk of the Jacksonville Jaguars drafting another guy in the third, second or third round. Um, but I think the Chicago Bears are looking at a kind of a roster overhaul in my opinion, for 2021. I don't know how much time Nagy has left it there. I have no idea if Allen Robinson stays there. There's been talk about him getting traded. Obviously, the quarterback situation's rough. I mean, David Montgomery's still going to be there, but I think the offense is something you want to get out of if you have any any pieces in there outside of maybe like rookie uh, rookie Darnell Mooney. But outside of him, I, I'm I'm not trying to buy any of that offense. On to the bad running back of the week, and this one this one stings pretty bad. Uh, Antonio Gibson had just 1.4 fantasy points, two carries, 14 yards, uh, didn't have a target reception, anything, went out very early after his second carry against Pittsburgh there on Monday afternoon in a game where the Washington football team upset the Steelers, knocking them off their perfect season. And the other running backs, eight in this game. Uh, McKissick had a pretty good day. It just, just sucks. So... Running back six on the season, and he's likely done for the year as far as fantasy playoffs are concerned. Keep an eye on it. You're not like, don't drop this guy, but he's doubtful this week against San Fran. He's got Seattle coming up and then Carolina. You might get him back for Carolina, it looks like, uh, depending on the severity of the injury. But it's turf toe. We've seen this be like a two to three week injury, and it sucks that it happened when it did because I think a lot of teams, a lot of guys needed uh, Antonio Gibson counting on him after such a great game on Thanksgiving where he had 36 points and, you know, his huge breakout was here, 20 carries, 115 yards, five catches, 21 more there. Like Antonio Gibson has been, has been the league winner. Like he got you here when, when other running backs were, were going down and a lot of the top talent this year was hurt or was affected heavily by their quarterback situation. I'm thinking of Zeke. Um, Antonio Gibson was a pick that if you got late, and I'm talking late, late, he he got you there. And now to to have him out for your playoff run, uh, that that just stings. So I'm salty on on Antonio Gibson. This is a really shitty injury, and I I'm definitely definitely targeting him next year in this offense as it continues to grow. Yeah, for sure. About next year, I think when we're looking at this injury, you know, I. I think if you have J.D. McKissick, you're excited in the sense that he's most likely taking over and uh, a little bit more than he was. I, st- I still think they're going to run out Peyton Barber quite a bit. But you look at his <laughs> what he's done in the passing game, it's absolutely insane. He was 10 for 10 last week with 70 yards. He's had other games with 14 or 15 targets, uh, nine receptions, seven receptions. I mean, this guy is all over the place in the pass game. You watched what he did last week. They threw Alex Smith threw to him what felt like every play after Antonio Gibson went down. Um, the high quality flex play, obviously, with JD McKissick. I'm assuming it pushes the team to throw more. I, I have I have no idea if that's actually true, but I would assume so. Um, yeah. This sucks, man. I, I didn't have a ton of Antonio Gibson, but I obviously watched you guys run him out on your teams, and, and, and he did get you to where you're at now. It's just unfortunate with how many injuries we've seen to running backs this year. Uh, it's, it's ruining teams and ruining seasons. So he played – this is J.D. McKissick. J.D. McKissick played his the second-highest snap share of the year in this week, week 13, against Pittsburgh. He played 73% of the snaps. Uh, Bryce, you mentioned how high his target ceiling is. 14 targets in week 9, 15 in week 10, and then 10 
this last week. Uh, they won the game, but to keep it close, to keep J.D. McKissick involved, you want Washington to be trailing because they will try to out Peyton Barber and just kind of stuff it up the middle with him. And Peyton Barber's most likely going to get the goal line carries as well. So when you look at their schedule, you know, you're kind of hoping for you, they're not playing the Jets and they're not playing. You know what I mean? You want it to be sort of a tough matchup. They play the 49ers, the Seahawks, and the Panthers. Uh, 49ers are 5-7. and seven. I think they're kind of turning the corner there. I would project the 49ers are three-point favorites. 49ers to be ahead in that game, and that's would be a good J.D. McKissick game. Great J.D. McKissick game in, uh, in two weeks against the Seahawks. You would expect the Seahawks to be playing from from ahead there. And then the Panthers, who knows, in week 16. But kind of the script and the schedule is there for J.D. McKissick to fill in for you if you did have Antonio Gibson. If you didn't have Antonio Gibson, you had J.D. McKissick. Yeah, you're like unfortunately excited about this injury because with that target ceiling plus the opportunity of who knows if Ron Rivera doesn't want to give the ball to Peyton Barber inside the two, three yard line, it could go to J.D. McKissick and now he's got touchdown upside as well. It's wide receiver. Uh, huge game. Huge game. Breakout game. Finally, it happened. And it only took a 35 to nothing deficit for Corey Davis against the Browns. Uh, 11 receptions on 12 targets, 182 yards. He scored a touchdown, 35.2 fantasy points, a career high for him. Finally happened. We were talking early in the season when we saw uh, in week eight, I think right after that, a 26 point game. He was injured for a couple of weeks there and week four on COVID and all things uh, happening in Tennessee. Is it is this the Devonte Parker of, of 2020? And no, he's not that good. Uh, Devonte Parker really had a phenomenal year last year. And Corey Davis is still wide receiver 26 on the season. But it, my point is it took a massive deficit and Derrick Henry being completely game scripted out for the team that runs the ball more than anybody in the NFL for Corey Davis to have a career day. Do I see that happening against Jacksonville, Detroit, Green Bay coming up? No, not likely. Um, Corey Davis, if you have him in Dynasty, I think is a, is a great piece to have right now because you can play this same thing that a lot of us and myself included have, have done with Devontae Parker and that kind of dangle the carrot of, oh, if he's good now. Like you, If you had him for this long and you played him through the bust years and been rotten on your bench, you have some value now. And I think that that's worth trading and, and worth moving on from uh, in the offseason. Or if another team is, is trying to get a trade done before the fantasy playoffs and think that Corey Davis, after a massive week, is the guy to do that, now is a great time to smash and do that. If you want to hold on to him, I don't think it's necessarily a, a, a one-hit wonder of a season. You know, some guys just take longer to develop, and Devontae Parker's a prime example of that. Ryan Tannehill's been really good this season, and um, this is a guy that has posted relatively consistent numbers. He has had, had bad games, you know, Five catches in a lot of games this season is is really what you're looking for. And a, a, a touchdown here and there, and boom, he has a great week. So uh, in deeper leagues where you can play a lot more guys, I like Corey Davis next year. I like Corey Davis right now. Um, I think he is the exact type of player you want to risk it all for a ceiling type of game. Uh, you look at his game log, and he's got one, two, three, four games over 100 yards. And these are the, in the games that he's played because um, he, he missed a couple uh, early on. But every game he's been consistent. Uh, I'm looking here, you know, for the most part, he isn't scoring under eight and a half points. That's that's his floor. And we saw A.J. Brown have uh, an ankle injury this last week. And if that is something that carries over into the upcoming weeks, Corey Davis is going to see a higher target share. And I think – while I think that Corey Davis is not the true number one of this team, I think we obviously know that's A.J. Brown, I think he's a great play for seasonal going forward in the next three weeks. is phenomenal, phenomenal play. And he's probably in your flex. <laughs> that's what's crazy. I think with the ability to put up a 20-point week is exactly what you're looking for in the playoffs. And I think it, this is the type of guy that is worth risking it all uh, over the next three weeks uh, just because of the matchups and the situation going forward. I, I actually think Corey Davis is solid right now. And as I think I, I'm a little bit less on the side of buying him in dynasty, but if you own him cashing out, this is that opportunity. He's 25, still got some good years left. He's in his prime right now, but 
Corey Davis, uh, another guy I think that's great for your fantasy playoffs. Corey Davis was a stud coming out. He's not going to say he fizzled, but yeah, he just kind of took long to break out. When when you look at him compared to A.J. Brown this year, I know A.J. Brown has been banged up a little bit, but 72 targets to A.J. Brown, 70 to Corey Davis, only two less targets uh, to, to A.J. Brown. When you look at the game log at his points scored, in PPR leagues, Corey Davis has scored double digits in every single week this year, other than one. He goose-egged against Chicago. That's it. He's getting you double. He's goose-egged once. I'm not going to say he's goose-egging or getting you double-digit points. Most likely, right now, in 2020, in this crazy year that we're in, Corey Davis is like a safe play as your wide receiver <laughs> two or three is like guaranteeing you right now double digit fantasy points yeah insane never thought we'd be saying that <laughs> the bad and this one stings too god we're talking a lot about the washington football team terry mclaurin two catches 14 yards six targets worst game of his career uh the second year superstar and you can put him in that elite tier of wide receiver i would say at this point uh, second single-digit game of the year way back in Week 5 against the Rams. Jalen Ramsey effect, three catches, 26 yards on seven targets, 5.6 points. Other than that, he's been phenomenal. We talked about the Washington schedule coming up, San Francisco, Seattle, and Carolina. Bryce, you mentioned that this is just one of those games where you, you look at the roster and go, there's nobody else on this team that the Steelers were worried about. They clamped Terry and double-teamed him and put extra guys on that side of the field and made sure that he wasn't going to have a phenomenal impact on the game cam sims and logan thomas and yep we talked about him jd mckissick were the playmakers for washington so expect to see them to make a lot of changes in the offseason and improve this team in a number of ways offensively um because terry mclaurin needs some outside help uh for games like this pittsburgh's an elite defense they can take away a player of any caliber i think and and we saw that on monday night Dude, he's yeah, he's been phenomenal, and like you said, literally everyone else in that offense went off. Uh, Cam Sims went off, Logan Thomas went off, and J.D. McKissick did what he did. It like if you watch this game, um, we definitely watched the the majority of it. Pittsburgh made it a point of focus to shut down Terry McLaurin, and Washington found a way to win. I was impressive win. They beat the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. So good for the. Good for the football team. That was that was awesome. But um, if you have them in seasonal, you just got to get past San Francisco this week. Then you get Seattle and Carolina, and and so that's really what matters here. You get to Seattle and Carolina. The odds of him going over ten points very high, uh, like he's done for the majority of this season. This was single handedly the worst game that he had this year, and I mean all signs are pointing up. Uh, there's nothing to worry about. Kind of like Justin Herbert. Just an off game uh, matchup was a little bit rough in the sense that these teams were putting focus on the best player in the offense and, and shutting them down. So I like what Terry McLaurin has left in this year. This year, I mean, he's he's about to breach a thousand yards. I think he's going to do that in Week 14 against San Francisco. Uh, chalk him up for that. Uh, we're going to see it happen, and and then everybody will will calm down. It's just one of those games. I know we got to talk about Terry McLaurin on sheet, uh, but. I wanted to mention Logan Thomas since he kind of popped off here. I'm cautious moving forward because I think it was obviously clear. The clear game plan here was to take away Terry McLaurin two for 12. There's not a lot of teams left on the Washington schedule that has the defense and the players like Joe Hayden is capable of doing that. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just cautious with him moving forward because I do think that there's going to be better tight ends to play i know like we talked about the matchup with seattle that's obviously a weak secondary in general uh but i think he's kind of uh we got trade deadlines and whatnot so you know we're not really talking about buying and selling guys but i think there's going to be a lot of people that will go back to logan thomas moving forward and i'm not going to say it's going to bite them in the ass either because the tight end position that we talk about all the time is so weak and he gets two catches for 32 yards and a touchdown. But I'm a little skeptical of of Logan Thomas. Former quarterback Logan Thomas. Kind of crazy story. Um, On to tight end. Great segue, Chase. Right into Darren Waller, tight end of the week. Tight end of the year uh, for this week. Yeah, the best week of any tight end this season. Uh, that's topping any game by Travis Kelsey. 
So he's tight end two this season, 13 catches, 200 yards, two touchdowns, 17 targets against the New York Jets, and an improbable win for the Raiders at the buzzer. Henry Ruggs coming down with the Hail Mary uh, in that one. But Darren Waller, phenomenal. Big bounce back week after um, he didn't really do a whole lot against Atlanta, four for 23. But Waller has been, outside of Travis Kelsey, the best tight end in fantasy football this season. And for every dud of a game he's had this year, he follows it with like two more great games. So obviously you're starting Waller um, every week in every situation imaginable. He's got the Colts, the Chargers, and Miami coming up next uh, for your fantasy playoffs. But where you drafted Waller, probably tight end three, four, maybe later. I doubt it. He's been everything and then some that you would want from the tight end at this spot. So you think about Kittle going out, Ertz falling off the map. Um, Hawkinson was great this season. I'm trying to think of other tight ends that were drafted pretty high. Gronk, I guess. Mark Andrews. Um, Mark Andrews has missed a lot of time. Yeah, Waller has been an absolute stud. And since he got his life together and back on track and got back into the NFL, he's been phenomenal. So hats off to Darren Waller, friend of the show. And, uh, 45 points in PPR definitely won you your week. And if you needed that to get into the playoffs, you were thanking the voice of the Tutty Talk podcast, Darren Waller. Yeah, in our true serum league, I play him in our fl- in my flex. Like it's been clutch because uh, um, you didn't have to uh, draft tight end in that league. You don't have to play one. And I drafted him really late. I think it was like the ninth or tenth round, maybe maybe later than that. And I've Double dipped with him and Carr all year long, and I'm second place in the league. It's, I mean, he's been a phenomenal play. It is kind of weird when you look at his game log, too. It's like one week he has a great performance, the next week he comes out with a dud, like you were saying, Kevin. Um, so if you believe in in superstition and 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 you're worried about this next week being a dud, uh, I guess history has shown since week seven that that's going to happen, but don't buy into that bullshit. I'm just throwing a fun little fact out there. But, um, yeah, I mean, when this team clearly doesn't have a wide receiver one, this is the guy that's filling in as that as that role. And it'd be interesting to see what, if Josh Jacobs comes back, if that affects him. But ultimately, I, I really don't see Jacobs um, becoming a problem for Darren Waller in the passing game. I mean, it just depends on how the game's scripted out. Indianapolis is a is a funky team. It seems like their defense is really good, then it isn't. Like what they haven't played anybody. Like what what's the situation there? What's gonna happen? But no matter what, you're playing Darren Waller. You're never gonna bench him. So this was awesome to see. It was great to see uh Waller uh ball out. The the real secret here is if, if you're curious on how Darren Waller is gonna perform that week, you just have to ask me if I put money on him or not. Because two weeks ago, uh Thanksgiving week against Atlanta put a pretty big bet on Darren Waller's receiving yard prop at like 57 and a half. And he goes out and he goes two for 20 in the shitter game against Atlanta. So of course lose money there and then stay away from him this week. And he goes for 200. So, (laughs) but uh, I will gladly take the L on Darren Waller. He was a guy that I was off of uh, in like seasonal leagues and especially in dynasty. I had Darren Waller as a sell I wasn't drafting Darren Waller in seasonal, and I think it's a really good learning spot. Uh, the real turnoff there was that the Raiders added offensive weapons, especially receiving options in Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, Nelson Aguilar in the picture too, and really thought that for a guy like Darren Waller that they were going to take away a lot of that passing game volume. and. I think there was kind of the common thought there too with a guy like Devontae Adams. I know people were selling Devontae Adams pre-draft because there were so many rumors about Green Bay is going to take a wide receiver in the first round. Uh, so like the two learning points there are, one, rookies rookies are rookies, and especially because they can coexist. Look at Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. A lot of people were trying to sell Adam Thielen after Minnesota takes a, a rookie receiver in the first round. Uh, so they can coexist. Plus, look at Green Bay. They ended up not taking that. And then also look at Darren Waller. Darren Waller is not affected whatsoever by Henry Ruggs and by Brian Edwards. So as a Raiders fan, Darren Waller, friend of the show, like I will gladly 
take the L and let Darren Waller bury me wherever he wants to bury me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Uh, to the bad tight end. Ooh, dud. Maybe the end is near for Jimmy Graham. Uh, Goose, no catches on one target, uh, no points against Detroit. In a game that was back and forth and lots of points, and Detroit came all the way back and won this game, and David Montgomery show and Allen Robinson and every no Jimmy Graham. Um, I remember us talking early in the season and Jimmy Graham was a top 10 tight end. And really since then, he's had one good game there at, at Tennessee, 17 and a half points, six for 55 and a touchdown. That's that kind of a right around the golden mark for a tight end, four for 55 and a score. You know, the Kyle Rudolph line or, or whoever you want to insert average tight end here that you are scoring points with. And for uh, two games this season, that's been Jimmy Graham. Um, outside of that, you probably didn't draft him very high. You probably didn't have him on your team at any point. I hope not if you listen to this podcast, but uh, Jimmy Graham up uh, on his schedule, Houston, Minnesota, Jacksonville. Don't pick him up. Just, just stop. He's got Mitch or Foles throwing to him. Aye, aye, aye. I've got a couple things to say real quick. Jimmy Graham is 34 years old, and he he's really bad at football, and he's just gotten lucky. So I hope you didn't pick him up. I hope you didn't draft him. He was never worth playing, maybe for a couple games in the first five weeks. But outside of that, he's been an absolute dud. I don't know why you'd want a 34-year-old tight end on a team who has two very mediocre quarterbacks in an offense that's incredibly stale. It's, it's, It's beyond me that this guy we even had to talk about at any point this season because he's as good as dust in, in my eyes. With the 11th pick in the second round of the 2020 NFL draft, the Chicago Bears selected the first tight end off the board, Cole Komet from Notre Dame. We know that tight end is the hardest position to learn in the NFL. So we saw Basically, no Cole Clement for the first 10 weeks of the season. Uh, his snap share was around 30, 25%. He was running single digit routes almost every single game. When you look at the game log going back the last two weeks, he played 80% of the snaps against Green Bay, 33 routes. And then this last week, I would call it sort of the Cole Clement breakout 14.7 fantasy points. Tight end number eight on the week, 95% of the snaps, 33 routes, seven targets. It was time for Chicago to kind of see what they have in Cole Komet. So we're phasing out Jimmy Graham, and it's going to be um, the Cole Komet show, yeah, going forward in Chicago. <laughs> oh, Chicago. I think that they're going to blow it up. They're, they yeah, are, he's gone. They're going to do something. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. All right, let's get to our fantasy Studs and duds, really, are our woes and heroes, our league winners and league losers for 2020. And we talked about him earlier on the show. I don't think we need to talk to him or talk about him anymore. Is David Montgomery. Chase, you were kind of indifferent. Yes, he's been hot lately. Could he win you your league if you got him right now? Maybe. That schedule looks nice and juicy. But up until this point, uh, you know, before the last couple of weeks, Chase, I think you make a good point. He was kind of average. So uh, if you played him and you're lucky to log those points, probably made a big comeback in your league. Robert Woods. Hello. Remember when he was on everybody's board right next to Cooper Cup and everybody's pre-draft board right next to Cooper Cup. Wide receiver 14 and 15. Wide receiver 9 and 10. Wide receiver this. They were back to back in every every which way of the imagination. And Robert Woods has been really good, especially in the second half of the season. Uh, since week 8, 28 points by 8 points uh, 30.6, 15.8, 18.5 last week against Arizona. And that came along with 10 receptions and 11 targets. And what we've seen over the past three weeks is double-digit targets since the Tampa Bay game, 15, 12, and 11. He's got uh, New England, the Jets, and Seattle coming up next. Robert Woods, yeah, league winner, Chase? I think so, 98 targets this year. Uh, the Rams started out the year pounding the rock early, but Goff's attempts last five weeks, 61. 37, 51, 31, 47. Patriots, Jets, Seahawks remaining schedule. Player profilers, number two easiest schedule for wide receivers the rest of the year. So I'm 
I'm all in on Robert Woods. Plus, he carries a small bit of rushing upside. He has two rushing touchdowns this year. They get creative with him. Love Robert Woods the next three weeks. I also like Robert Woods. I think I think no matter what, he's been 100% consistent this year, and, and that's something that I preach and love in fantasy football. Um, we already talked about David Montgomery. We've already talked about Corey Davis. I was going to choose one of those two, but since they were uh, – Already talked about, I'm going to go with Ronald Jones. And once again, I do not like Ronald Jones. I don't think he's anything special. However, he's been really good for Tampa Bay this year. Remaining schedule, Minnesota, Atlanta, Detroit. If you want consistency with the appeal of some upside at the same time, I think Ronald Jones is 100% your guy. I think that's going to be uh, an easy league winner. I think that people got scared off when Leonard Fournette came in. I think we all expected Leonard Fournette to take the job, and Ronald Jones has shown that he has been the better running back. I can't believe I said it. He's been the better running back over Leonard Fournette, and I think the Buccaneers recognize that too. So I think if you had Ronald Jones, you were playing him every week this year, and he has definitely helped get you to where you're at. I think it, when you look at the rest of the season, like I said earlier, it's a cakewalk and the Buccaneers are going to dominate all three of those teams. Maybe Minnesota gives them a little run, but I think the Bucks are going to uh, just, just overpower those three teams. And I think Ronald Jones is going to be the beneficiary of that. Last league winner. I want to talk about is Eric Ebron. So we talk about how bad the tight end position has been. And Eric Ebron since week seven has won one single digit week. Talk about consistency, Bryce. Uh, 11, 14, 11, 5.8. There's the single digit. That against Cincinnati. 13.6, 12.4, and 13.8. Last two weeks, 22 targets in the last two weeks. Uh, 11 and 11 against Baltimore and Washington with Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Indy coming up. And the the big thing about Eric Ebron is the running back health. James Conner has been out, and Benny Snell is a bot. I saw his best comparable was R2-D2, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> they are throwing the fuck out of the ball. So you can like any receiver in this offense. It doesn't matter. The guy that blocks-ish sometimes and is their red zone target along with Claypool, I mean, they're hucking the ball right now. Fuck the run game. Eric Ebron is probably outside of Kelsey, Waller, and Hawkinson, the tight end that I want most for this stretch. They're, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers are another team, just like I mentioned with the Rams and Robert Woods. They have no issue just completely bailing on the run. James Conner is supposed to be back this week. He got activated off of the COVID list, but that does not matter to me. Big Ben since week nine, pass attempts, 42, 46, 46, 51, 53. His low is 42 attempts. You got that upper 50 ceiling there, and... Like I mentioned with Robert Woods having the number two easiest schedule for wide receivers, Eric Ebron has the number one easiest opposing schedule for tight ends. I have nothing to say about Eric Ebron. I know I gave Kevin some shit about uh, Eric Ebron before the season started. I didn't believe in Eric Ebron, but when Big Ben's throwing 40-plus times a game, like you're saying, Chase, the ball's going to go to him, right? The ball's going to go to him. There's no way around it. And he's obviously a, a, a red zone option, and that's what you're looking for in tight end. That's all there is to it. All right. Uh, quickly, let's, I don't think we need to spend a, a ton of time on this. You you know these guys were league losers in a way. Um, stop me whenever, guys, and oh, you can raise the red flag of stop. I want to talk about this guy. But Will Fuller is at the top of the list. He got you to... You know, just a, a week shy of of getting into the fantasy playoffs, and um, boom, PEDs done. See a wide receiver five on the season when he left us. Um, he would DJ Chark. He would have been a league winner. Oh yeah, easily with with yes, <laughs> absolutely playing phenomenal. And that hurt me in a couple of leagues. It hurt Jason in a couple of leagues. Bryce, I think it hurt you in a couple of leagues too. Um, just one. Did you have any Will Fuller? I just had I had him in one league, and, and okay. I I was pretty deep at wide receiver, so I was able to make it up. Okay, uh, DJ Chark, and and I would blame this on quarterback situation. You know, we're not really giving up on on Chark as a dynasty piece, but if you're making that run in dynasty leagues or or legacy leagues or whatever, where you can keep guys, Chark would be a guy that I'm I'm moving off of to make that run because he's young. You know, we saw the boom last year. We know the potential of DJ Chark. Um, 
But if you are making that run with Mike Glennon and, and so many random other guys getting targets in this offense, I don't think he's worth keeping right now. Uh, and a great asset you can pair with a, a second round pick and or first and get something really talented. And this is a guy I wanted to stop on real quick because I just wanted to say last year this guy was a top five dynasty wide receiver on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we thought that he was going to be solid because of target share coming into this year. I think the process is right. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it wasn't because you have to have a quarterback that can throw you the ball. And um, I don't know how he did it last year, but I, I definitely am a little more hesitant on DJ Chark for 2021, even though I think he's really good. Uh, Chark on the season, wide receiver 37. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Chase, you want to talk about him? Yeah, I just think I'm nervous about Clyde going forward uh, for the rest of the season. Aside from being active and not playing a single snap last week, yes, he was sick, whatever, but he, he didn't he didn't get on the field. Uh, he now gets the Miami defense, the Saints defense, and the Falcons defense. The Saints have the number two run D. Atlanta has the number 12 run D, and Miami's D is just kind of all around like pretty stout. Uh, but regardless of schedule, his carry since week seven, eight, six, five, 14, and 11. But that's fine for a 5'7", 207 pass catcher, right? No, he has two more receptions this year than Josh Jacobs. Oh, my. They're another team that has bailed on the run. Mahomes, since week eight, 42, 45, 45, 49, 40 attempts. The volume is not going to be there. The matchup's scary. I'm screwed in Eddie J because my two running backs right now are Josh Jacobs and Clyde Edwards Alaire. And I have no faith in unfortunately Josh Jacobs health and Clyde Edwards Alaire's production I, moving forward. I had no idea. He only had two more. You said targets or receptions receptions, two more receptions than Josh Jacobs. That that's a problem. That's a problem. Cause that's the guy that they drafted him because of the pass catching ability. And you saw what he did in LSU last year. He had uh, over 50 catches, I believe. Uh, that, that's that's bad. I, I'm I'm with you on this one. I think the the only way I'm wrong, I think, is it's just the fact that he's on the Chiefs' offense. They get into the red zone a lot, and say here in the fantasy playoffs, Clyde Edwards-Helaire finds the end zone a lot. Uh, I think that's kind of the only reason why I would be wrong here, but I don't think the yardage is going to be there. I don't think the receptions are going to be there. It's kind of kind of scary on the Clyde Edwards-Alaire front. Uh, more league losers. Julian Edelman hasn't played since week seven, had the one great game against Seattle, and that's been it. Knee, illness, whatever, still plans to come back, according to reports and what ESPN saying, but still a couple of weeks out. He's totally lost and on your waiver wire. Miles Sanders. Uh, super disappointing season for him and the Eagles. Uh, you can count his double-digit performances on one hand. That's right, five of them. And you probably drafted him in the first or second round. So, boom, horrible. Hasn't had a double-digit week since week 10. 13.5 since then, 9.1, 6.2, and 3.1 against Green Bay. Uh, maybe Jalen Hurts can fix that. Joe Mixon, also on this list. They drafted him probably back-to-back, early or late first, early second. Uh, he's been bad. And Leonard Fournette, reason why I put him on this list was if you drafted him before the trade, it probably took him in the second or third round. <laughs> and Leonard Fournette has burned you. And he's had time and time and time again to, to really steal this role from Ronald Jones after the fumbles and the benchings and the Bruce Arians effect. And we thought that when Leonard Fournette got traded to the Bucks, it'd be this beautiful thing, maybe. Uh, not the case. Uh, it's been... <laughs> horrible for him and a really bad bad season that we thought would be maybe a chance to to take that job a couple different times this season let's do rapid fire thursday night football baby new england at the los angeles rams the patriots have kind of figured out how to win games again thanks to their defense getting healthy but for the rams their defense has remained solid and consistent the rams are 100 percent the better team and when deciding who to play on their offense things begin to get tricky look i'm gonna tell you to play robert woods and cooper cup but the fact of the matter is i'm worried about tiny hands golf getting the ball to them with how well new england secondary has been playing 
For the Patriots, I'm playing no one. It's as simple as that. Battle of the Ocean. The Vikings sailed to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers, and this might be my favorite matchup of the week. Clearly a tough matchup for Dalvin, but that doesn't matter for him. Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson have both great plays versus the bad Tampa secondary. The volume is so spread out for Tampa, but I like everyone in this Minnesota defense. Tom Brady, Ronald Jones, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Rob Gronkowski. This game should pop off. Arizona at the Giants. Can Arizona get out of their slump in time to salvage a playoff spot? Tough ask at the Red Hot Giants. I know it's crazy saying that. Fantasy, I'm worried about Kyler's shoulder still. Haven't seen him drive the ball down the field, really, since he landed on it at Seattle a few weeks back. Still obviously have to start him, Hop, and Drake. For the Giants, Wayne Gallman and Evan Ingram are your guys. I like them both, especially if Daniel Jones is back for the G. Kansas City at Miami. Nothing can stop the golden boy, not even a stout Miami defense. Like we talked about last week, the Chiefs offense is firing on all cylinders. To simply put it, it's going to be too much for the Dolphins to stop. For the Chiefs, do I really need to tell you? I guess if there's anyone difficult to start, that would be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but if he's healthy, he's a go. For the Dolphins, I like Gaskin, Devontae Parker, and Mike Gusecki. All three of those options present touchdown upside for your playoff run. Corey Davis and the Titans look to bounce back after last week's thumping versus Baker Mayfield. Thankfully for them, it's against Daddy Longneck, Mike Glennon, and the Jags. For the Titans, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, Andrew Brown, and Corey Davis are in smash spots. James Robinson is the only Jag to start here. Unfortunately, I send DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault to the bench. Dallas at Cincinnati. Big saw the Cowboys on Tuesday night, and they're just bad, really bad. Andy Dalton revenge game, maybe? Who knows? Uh, There's no real appeal to me besides Zeke, who's coming off one of his better games in 2020. Zeke's not going to shatter any box score with the status of the Dallas offensive line. Be comfortable with 10-ish points and a potential to reach 20 against the Bengals, I guess. Start receivers Amari Cooper and Tyler Boyd as the only other playable options in this matchup. Houston at Chicago, the 4-8 Houston Texans take on the 5-7 Chicago Bears. There's not much to say about this matchup. Neither teams really have a shot at playoffs, but there are still guys in these offenses we have to play. For Houston, Deshaun Watson and Brandon Cooks. For Chicago, Allen Robinson and David Montgomery. And if you're desperate at flex, you can throw Darnell Mooney in there. E, at the very least, should be good for around 8 points or more. Denver at Carolina. Hopefully CMC gets to play against his dad's old team. If he isn't able to go, Mike Davis is a must start. With DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel having the Rona, Robbie Anderson is set to see all the volume from Teddy D. For Denver, it's getting harder and harder to find viable starts. Melvin Gordon ran for 131 yards for Kansas City, so I like him to get the bulk of the carries. And Noah Fant is always a startable attempt. The Jets at Seattle. Bounce back week for the Seahawks. Sheesh. I don't know. The Jets looked pretty good last week. Ty Johnson is your waiver wire claim of the week. If you got him and lost a guy like Antonio Gibson or CMC who popped up on the injury report again, uh, this might be the game to play him in your starting lineup against a Seattle defense that gave up chunks to Wayne Gallman. I like Johnson for the Jets, Russ, DK, Carson, and I guess you have to play Tyler Lockett, who has been invisible unless he's playing Arizona. Indianapolis at Las Vegas. Well, shit, we might be going to this game if not for COVID, but nevertheless, this game carries some playoff weight. We know that Darren Waller has unlocked massive fantasy production at the tight end position, but if Josh Jacobs is healthy, does he make for a good start against Indy's defense? I'm going to say yes. At this point, you have to play your best players. In addition, look elsewhere at quarterback, but Derek Carr always gives his owner a safest floor. For the Colts, I think we have to consider T.Y. at this point, while Hines and JT have become easier starts than in the past. Alex Smith revenge game? Crazy to think about Smith's career if Kaepernick never happened. Nonetheless, he's on my bench versus the Niners. With Antonio Gibson out, we get target magnet J.D. McKissick as a great play, and we'll play Terry McLaurin off talent. For the Niners, it's just Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel as it starts. The backfield continues to be a mess from the running back by committee. New Orleans at Philly. Two frauds. Taysom Hill and Carson... No, just one fraud. It's Jalen Hurts season, baby. We saw a glimmer of hope from the Alabama-Oklahoma star, and we can only pray to the football gods that this opens the door for Miles Sanders and Jalen Rager. Tough matchup to get your career started with, but for the Saints, I like Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas. The Eagles, Miles is a must-start given running back depth in the situation this season, and Goddard could be Jalen's guy. 
I don't know. Start him too. Atlanta at the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm excited for this game. How can you not be? Two shitty teams most likely airing the ball out. We should see plenty of fantasy points here. For the Falcons, play Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Hayden Hurst while avoiding Matt Ryan. He's been pathetic the last three weeks. For the Chargers, it's very easy. Herbie, Keenan, Mike Williams, and Austin Eckler. If you're still stuck on last week, don't be. The bounce back is here. Green Bay at Detroit. This game feels like it's about two weeks late as a Thanksgiving classic, but regardless, it's a wait-and-see game for Detroit. If Galladay and Swift are active, they're must plays. If not, I like Adrian Peterson more than Carrion. We'll play TJ Hawkinson regardless. For Green Bay, give me the big three. Rodgers, Adams, Jones. Okay, big four. Add Robert, tight end five, Tanya in the Holy Pittsburgh at Buffalo Sunday night football. Oof. Wow. This is what we live for, boys. Uh, the Steelers coming off a horrible home loss. The Bills are rolling. And just about everything but the run game for both of these teams is a start. Start Ben, Juju, Claypool, Target Machine, Eric Ebron, and everyone's new favorite, Deontay Johnson, of course. For the Bills, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and Gabe Davis. You can start them too, especially in deeper leagues. Baltimore at Cleveland. God, what a game. Possibly the best Monday night football game we've had this year. A divisional game between two running teams should be interesting to say the least. I guess the real question here is whether or not this game re-exposes Baker Mayfield. Stay tuned. For the Ravens, I'm playing Lamar, Andrews, Gus Edwards, and Dobbins in the flex if you're desperate. For the Browns, keep on with Chubb and Kareem Hunt, but other than them, I'm avoiding everybody else. Week 14, baby. Fantasy playoffs. Let's do it. I'm excited. Uh, a couple of leagues that got bounced out of the one seed, which is unfortunate. A couple of leagues I have a one seed, which we got a first round buy, and that's cool too. A couple of leagues have already started in the playoffs, and you got that running total for two weeks. So, pretty cool. Um, the bot- we're going to be in Vegas this weekend. It's going to be awesome. I'm really, really excited. Wish we were going to a football game while we were there. This is a trip in the making of fucking eight months. Um, so finally get to go out there and, and check out the house and, and check out Vegas uh, with a new stadium in town. Yeah, the bye week is kind of weird, right? Like you're really happy you have it, but you're also kind of bummed you don't really get to compete. It's, I mean, it's it, it's it's a good thing, right? You you have a better odd better odds of winning money, but I don't know. I love the bye. I also hate the bye. It's a bittersweet thing for me. Um, really excited about Baltimore Cleveland though. I can't wait for that game. Uh, there's a lot of good games for fantasy. Um, fantasy production, that's for sure. I think this is a good week. This is a better week than last week. I think I mentioned it in in rapid fire, but for some reason, if Minnesota is able to kind of get around that that Tampa Bay defense, that's like my favorite. That's my favorite game there for some reason. I think Tampa hopefully is able to spread it out. Maybe gets kind of concentrated to like Chris Godwin and, and Mike Evans. And they're kind of dominating through the air while Minnesota hits some deep shots to Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Adam Thielen scores three more touchdowns from the one yard line and snipes Dalvin Cook for the sixth straight week. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. Just I don't. I just really like. I really like that game. I think you've seen the Bucks get absolutely obliterated in the secondary. I think there's gonna be a lot of passing in this game, and I think Ronald yeah, Jones the, is gonna run decent a bit, a uh, decent amount, mm-hmm. but a lot of passing from Minnesota. I think this is the upset week. I think. If you're going to throw a crazy parlay, hear me out. Hear me out, okay? Minnesota beats Tampa Bay. We could see that happening, right? Sure. Yeah, Minnesota's okay. kind of hot. Tua beats Mahomes at home. I, I don't know about mm. that one, but I, I weirdly kind of like it. Miami's been playing good football this season. Um, Next on the list... Shit, you might as well throw the Jets in Seattle in there. Why not take the Jets? Give oh, the Raiders you're a run being too hard on the on the on the Hawks. Okay, yeah. next this one I, I actually see as a a very real possibility because I think the Saints are the biggest frauds in the NFL for their standing. The Saints at Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts upset win locks down the job for now and forevermore if he beats a injury prone, uh, not rushed it to get back Drew Brees or Taysom Hill. Um, I could definitely see Philadelphia winning that game for whatever reason. I don't know why I believe in the Eagles. I haven't all season. And then the last one on here was, um, oh, that was it. I was going to say, we got to keep a close eye on Philly because if Jalen Hurts is good for Miles Sanders, then Miles Sanders, I should be taking off our league losers list because I think if 
if a new quarterback change does anything, I think it should help Miles Sanders out. I want to believe I, so. I have so much fucking Miles Sanders everywhere. I, I'm i grasping on anything that I can, any piece of yeah. hope, any shred of Miles Sanders breaking out, not breaking out, but popping off. It's it's just I, 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 I'm rooting for Hurts. I'm rooting for Sanders. I'm not rooting for the Eagles. I think if you've had Miles Sanders for this long and you're in the playoffs, you're you're lucky because he was probably your first or second pick off the board. Um, You know, it's been a weird year for running backs. A lot of teams are in that same similar spot. But uh, I, if Miles Sanders is doing anything, you have him in your lineup still. You haven't been benching him. Um, You have to play him in hopes that he's going to go off. So this could be the week. Who knows? Things turned around for uh, Philly in the second half against Green Bay last week once uh, Hurts stepped on the field. So. That is it. That is the show. That is episode 39 and previewing week 14 of the season. Should be a good one. Uh, wish we were there to watch a game in person, but we'll save that for next year. We'll talk Teddies with you next week. I'll see you guys in a few minutes.